You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody, guys. Locked On Browns, episode 193. Actually, I was thumbing through some numbers today. This is actually turns out to be episode 100 since me taking the transition over out of, you know, from, uh, you know, when it went dormant from the time Jared moved on. So episode 100, but, you know, obviously on the show, episode 193 of Lockdown Browns. Guys, I appreciate all the support. You guys have been fantastic to this point. Uh, I wish I could promise you a solid draft haul on April 26th, but look, it's almost into God's hands now. Uh, joining us here this evening from NFL Spin Zone, obviously covers the Browns over there. And I will give him some credit. I am going to bust his chops today. Pete does a lot. It does a lot of great work. Puts in a lot of time and effort, so it gives you out some quality content. Pete, we got what? Uh, I think we're almost to the point of. Uh, I think it's uh, eight more wake ups, nine more wake ups, bro. How are you holding up, man? Um, it's not too bad. I mean, I gotta. I mean, I, I did my thing for Sam Darnold. I gotta go one last every every throw I can find for Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield because those are the only three quarterbacks that should matter for the Browns, uh, do those up, and then it's basically just finishing touches. i got to be honest for you, Pete. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend sitting down to do the whole Josh Allen thing. Look, you enjoy watching your tape. You enjoy breaking it down. Nobody should have to sit down and suffer through that. Well, not only that, I, I mean, what do I need to publish 2,000 words to say the kid sucks? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to put me through that. I don't want to have him read it. Oh, good Lord, God, no. And, uh, well, you know, smart part on his part would be not to read it. But, look, you know, guys, nothing's changed here. It it still just makes absolute zero sense. And so much of it is, and look, with the top three, you can make your case for any of them. But a lot of this so much is about fit and who can handle being put into this situation with a coaching staff that's hanging on by a thread, most likely won't be here in 2019, to take a guy who's got warts and needs work and to put him through six, seven months with one staff only to have it change and bring in another. There's just so many things that add up for him not being the correct guy here. Even if you do really like him, and there are some guys that like what he could be, but it's really hard to get him there, and especially knowing the fact that whatever you've done with him for the first five months of his pro career ain't going to matter anyway because somebody else is going to come in with their own plan for him anyway. All right, we guys, we've got a ton of uh, Browns draft questions here. It was, it's nice. Didn't have to put together an outline. You guys are awesome. You put together this one pretty much for yourself. Uh, first, we're going to start with uh, Paul Myers. Uh, Paul, y- you must have really, really, uh, you know, been excited about Pete coming on. Where is the draft position in good value for the Browns to select Royce Freeman? I mean, if it's up to me, I'd, I'd have no problem taking him in the second round uh, if. I mean, for me, uh, there's basically it's four backs. The, one of the, the Browns need to get one of the four. Saquon Barkley, obviously, I don't want him at four or one. Uh, and then you get to Nick Chubb, Royce Freeman, and Darius Geis. And if they get any of those three guys, uh, since they're probably not going to get Barkley, they'll be very happy. Now, what, what's bizarre to me is the people who have Royce Freeman as a day three pick and I'm guessing that must be because he was playing hurt last year. But even then, uh, with the shoulder, his tape is phenomenal. Uh, big power back who can make guys miss, and he's pretty unstoppable short yardage. Uh, so if if for whatever reason the Browns want to wait and say like that 64th pick, or yeah, 
uh, then and they want to grab two guys with those the 33-35 or they trade up or whatever and teams keep sleeping on Royce Freeman and they want to run a more heavy zone offense because it sort of works with what Duke does well and then what Freeman's sort of done well uh, I think that'd be a fantastic matchup and a pick that people would love even though they, it'd probably be criticized in the moment and I don't Still, like I said, I don't get it, but he's a phenomenal football player for me. Yeah, I, I think there's this. There's the thing. It, what's hurting Cleveland here is not having the third round pick, because I don't think you want to get into day three. And not that there's not going to be some guys there. You know, a John Kelly is a guy I do like, but I think if you want the bang for your buck, there's going to be guys here in the second round range. Pete knows I'm going to put Sony Michelle's in there, name in there. I don't care what Pete thinks. I'm going to put that in there. Freeman, even at 64, there's going to be four to five guys to go here in this second round. Uh, I think it's the better value play. Uh, I've, you know, we talked about this at nauseum. Saquon Barkley, the fact that he's a fantastic receiver, that's great. But it, it's, it shouldn't, you know, it's not going to change anything for the Browns when you have a receiver, when you have a running back who put up 73 receptions last year. Also, when you just paid a boatload of money to a wide receiver whose game is. Short patterns in over the middle. I mean, he, he, you know, me and Pete have been saying this. You guys don't want to hear it. He kind of does run running back routes. That's kind of what he plays. He just doesn't really take handoffs or go out of the backfield. So the fact that you're looking for a receiver who's got great receiving skills, I don't see how that equates because you've already got guys who this is what they do. I mean, and for the most part, they do it pretty well. So you know, as far as that, you know, it just you know, you know, and like Matt Waldman said last night, it's just it doesn't make any sense. Some of these picks that you guys want to connect to Cleveland. They just don't make sense. If you like the player, that's fine. But not everybody fits, you know, not every shoe fits every foot, that type of thing, guys. Uh, next one here. Uh, JD83, do you give any credence to the supposed three-way trade between the Giants, Browns, and Bills? Go ahead, Pete. I'll let you have that one. No. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 look, there has never been a three-way trade in the NFL. I mean, that, the, the, and this is a rumor that comes up every year, that there's some three-way trade. That's an NBA thing. Uh, baseball may do it. The NFL has never had a three-way trade. Now maybe maybe they'll uh, you know make history here and 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 make a three-way trade, but not based on that rumor by a guy who's been discredited any number of times. He's in the incarcerated Bob level of rumor mongering that you know you take a couple of things, put them together, throw it at the wall, and hope hope you get one right. And then even if you're one out of a hundred. You just tout that one thing you managed to guess right or connect the dots enough and say, oh, I'm great at this. And, you know, that's, you know, it, it, it's just not something that makes any sense for anybody. And I, and I believe the rumor has that the Browns basically end up like going to fourth, like second pick and 12th pick when they started at first and four or something. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it makes no sense. Like, there's no real benefit to go with this idea of three-way trades the way the salary cap works in, in football there's not enough of an issue with teams that we, you need like with the nba the whole reason three-way trades happy happen is to make salaries work that's not really a thing that often happens in the nfl so no and and stop following that guy stop listening to that guy or guys like him and uh if you guys do want i know somebody put it up there uh if you want to run a twitter audit on that account just for you know shits and giggles, you guys might want to go ahead and do that. And that was the biggest thing about it was is you know the Browns would drop to two, then the Giants at maybe at possibly four or twelve. Wait a minute, if Cleveland gave up one, 
what the hell are they losing pick four for? So guys, you know, it, it made no sense. And like Keith said, when uh, and Pete said, when all of the money is guaranteed, a lot of it in the NBA is well, if you want A, you got to take B because that's just the way the money works. It's it's not how it works here. It, it's a fallacy. And like Pete said, maybe one day it'll happen. But uh, it's certainly not going to happen. It's not like these three teams are going to collude together to make sure they get the best three quarterbacks in the class. It's just not going to work out like that, guys. Uh, Same guy, actually. What is the more likely thing to happen at pick four? So, JD3. Uh, Chubb, Ward, trade down, or a surprise pick? So, right now I'm working on the theory that the Giants are basically in charge of the draft. The Browns, I'm assuming, are going to take Darnold because I live in a world that makes sense. And then the Giants are going to get a godfather offer from the Bills and or the Cardinals. It's basically a two-team race. And if they pass, it's, you know, they either took a quarterback themselves, more power to them if they do. Uh, they take Saquon Barkley, hilarious and would be great for the Browns, or they take Bradley Chubb, uh, which would be the ultimate Gettleman pick to take Bradley Chubb at two and not a bad pick it's just a what he that's just him to a T uh, at which point the Browns will you know if they if they broker a deal or whatever uh, then somebody comes up presumably takes Josh Allen to kill their franchise the Jets would take we're assuming Baker Mayfield and they're going to come out beautifully in this situation which you know they're God knows they're overdue and then the Browns are in a situation where they're either going to have Chubb trade out or trade down. That's what I think is what it what I think is here. If if it's Chubb or trade down, I think they will trade down. If the Giants take that trade down, I think they will take Chubb. I don't know why we keep talking about Denzel Ward in the top four, other than the fact he's a cornerback. Denzel fact, Ward is a maybe when he went a, to college. Well, that, there's no question that's part of it, but I mean, even people who are like, you know, have no connection to Ohio State or are connecting corner there just because he's, you know, he's regarded as the hands down best cornerback. You and I do not agree with that assessment. That's fine. Uh, but even if you love Jair, uh, Jair Alexander or you love Denzel Ward, neither one of them makes sense at four. Uh, they're both sort of Pro Bowl caliber corners. You're much better off getting them in the teens, uh, nine, ten, you know, nine if, if you have to. But none, neither of them makes sense at at, at four. Uh, so I, I understand why people sort of connect that dot. The other problem I have, and, and I, we've talked about this before, is they can pull the plug on this secondary next year, no problem at all, if they flush the flush the coaching staff or they and they hire somebody else. Um, it's hard, and I and I, I believe the Browns like uh, Denzel Ward. Uh, but if you do pull the plug and you get somebody in here, and then that guy doesn't want to run something that you know favorable to the guy they just picked, it's sort of a waste. Um, so I think from a value standpoint, I think from a positional standpoint on what they're truly going to stick with, I think it's Chubb or trade down, and then we get nuts uh, depending on what what. They, what they trade down with. Okay, and because you put it in here, JD, I will go with the surprise pick. Guys, I will take Harold Landry 10 times out of 10. I will take him over Bradley Chubb for what Cleveland Brown needs, for what you got, they need. You need the elite pass rusher. You need the best pass rusher in this draft. Bradley Chubb, yes, I, I think he's going to be a solid NFL pro. 
But if I can get Harold Landry, who fits the bigger need, this team didn't have an issue stopping the run last year. So, you know, part of what makes Chubb great is that he does both things well. But we're looking strictly at a guy who can get in the backfield and get after the passer. If Landry can do it better, I'm going to go that way. And, you know, some people may think it's nuts. I know, uh, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah mocked him to Tennessee at 25, called it a tad bit of a reach. I don't see it. Guys, look, I, I am going to be different on other players than the mass consensus. I've been doing it for a while. I'm afforded that right. I would take Harold Landry at four, and I would not think twice about it. So there's your surprise pick. Guys, you're listening to Locked On Browns episode 193. If you're listening through the megaphone link, that's fantastic, guys. Whether it's iTunes, Spotify, go ahead, please subscribe, smash it, five-star review, all that good stuff. I appreciate you guys. Uh, we're going to start moving on here. By the way, I, 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 I'm with you. I would I would love Harold Landry, but what I think the Browns would actually do in that situation is trade down, and then I think they may try to trade back up. Yep, because the thing is, if you were to do the Bills 12 and 22, then you're a little nervous because there's a lot of talk of San Francisco at 9. So it, it, it's definitely something to consider. I mean, but who knows? Maybe you get a case where Arizona's got to move up twice. And so maybe you could get yourself parked right in front of San Francisco at seven or eight, something of that type of deal. So you know, I, I do agree with you. And maybe it's not a you know a, a trade back to trade up, or it's one of these teams coming forward for a quarterback is going to have to trade up twice. You never know. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities, and obviously things get absolutely crazy on round one of the draft here. Uh, obviously, Jack overseas in England, uh, one of my most faithful listeners. Uh, we kind of just well, I mean, Pete, your second favorite cornerback in the class. I know we agree on one. I, I mean, for me, it's Ward, it, it, number two, Jairi being number one. Uh, I don't love Ward's lack of weight, and I think that's probably going to be an issue for him for his entire career. Uh, but his hips, his explosion, his ability to accelerate within 10 yards is pretty freaky, and he's just a, a man-covered demon. Even if you – I mean, you could – Run a cover three scheme where you basically just say, "You're man, you're you're manning every other play, and we're going to drop three uh, with the two safeties and the and the other corner, and and make you know flow your defense around it." Uh, again, it just comes down to the fact that I don't think he's quite worth four, but he's a hell of a player. My question is, there are a lot of guys who are in that weird five eleven. 180-something pound range in this draft class, and some of them aren't going to go on day three, and I'm wondering if, like, a Tremont Smith out of Central Arkansas or one of those type guys is uh, Perry Nichols, uh, Nickerson from Tulane yep. might be the more sensible play in that, in that scenario. Uh, but here's the thing is, is uh, you and I love Jagger Alexander. The Browns may be hung up on his height, even though he's 5'10 and change, they may actually cross him off because he's not their magic number of, I guess, which may be 5'10 and a half, which may be why Ward would be their top guy. But, uh, yeah, for me, you and I, it's Jairi, and then, I, then I've got Ward, too. Uh, you know, I, I agree there. I, I'm just going to put Jess Jackson's name out there. You know, I know he's not the athlete some of these guys are, but I do like a guy who can create turnovers. Uh, Jack, also, Pete, top three pass-rushing defensive tackles in this class. Pass rushing defensive tackles. Um, Taven Bryan is is number one. I, look, here's the thing with me and Maurice Hurst. 
I see where he can be very, very good. I can also see where this doesn't work. So I, I certainly would understand if the Browns ultimately get him or if he goes really high. I'm just sort of along for the ride. Taven Bryan, I know what he is. Uh, I think he's got a lot to learn as a pass rusher. Uh, more run defense than anything. He's actually better as a pass rusher, but he's just so explosive of the ball. And for what the Browns seem to want, he makes a ton of sense. Uh, and then you get the, the second guy for me uh, would be James Looney out of Cal, uh, which is, you know, the surprise. Not not a lot of people are super high on him. And I, I still see draft boards where he's not even on. Uh, but in terms of his athleticism, the way he plays, you can line him up outside, inside. He goes all over the place. He's just a problem. He can play nose uh, in stretches if you need him to. And then the the last guy um, is P.J. Hall from uh, Sam Houston State. And he was a defensive end. He sort of grew into being a defensive tackle this last year. Uh, but he's just a genuine freak. of An athlete and his production... Uh, against that level is just stupid. He basically has, you know, insane numbers every single year, 42 sacks in four seasons, 95 and a half tackles for loss. Uh, and he just doesn't stop. Uh, his motor's crazy. I've got some issues with his pad level and some other things, but just if you're, if you're like what the Browns seem to want and you just want – Four guys up front who are just going to relentlessly get up after the pass or plus however many other ones Greg Williams is going to send. Uh, I, I just have a hard time not just saying get this dude and just let him go. No, exactly. I mean, kind of like the Ogan Joby thing. Uh, you know, obviously he was a little bit more raw, but here's a guy who is athletic, interior, and, you know, obviously, you know, on the level he played, ridiculous production. This is actually a great question here. Uh, Brian Benning. What are some things you'd be looking for, you know, sign-wise on draft night that Dorsey did his thing and wasn't influenced by the Hugh Jimmy faction? Uh, it's t- I mean, I, I, I was my assumption would be the second they picked Darnold. Exactly. Uh, That's, yeah, I mean, that, it's that gonna, sort it'll, of come it. down, it'll come down to the quarterback selection, I agree, yes. But it, and it's just because, look, Hugh's got a weird – Infatuation with USC. He may have dropped off some resumes when he was at Sam Darnold's pro day. I can't confirm or deny. Uh, but the thing is, with Sam Darnold, even if Hugh Jackson loves him, he may never get him. Uh, and and if he wants a quarterback that's going to help him now, you know that would point more to guys like Rosen. That would point more to guys like Mayfield. And then you know, being the fool that he seems to be. He may think that's what he wants in Josh Josh Allen, but Darnold uh, would, to me, scream that. And, I, and again, he's not my top quarterback. He's actually my third-rate quarterback. But that's to me sort of the most uh, organizationally sound move that would say uh, Hugh and Jimmy have the least amount of impact. Although, again, last year uh, there was this played-up idea at the very end near the draft where this idea that he was going to make them take Mitchell Trubisky and part of me wondered if the Browns didn't put that out there themselves to sort of mess with things to try to see if they couldn't move up and get uh, they tried to trade up for Trubisky for example uh, and didn't work but 
they certainly put people off the scent, which they've done a great job with this way, almost too good that now we're, we're, we're talking about either getting a good player or, you know, utter insanity. I, I agree. It's going to come down to it's going to come down to the quarterback. And look, uh, if God forbid they drop that fatal mistake of a guy who wore seventeen and played out in Cheyenne, Wyoming, then guys, I don't know what to tell you because it doesn't matter who's working in the football offices because uh, you know the puppets pulling the strings from up top. Uh, that that I mean that would probably be the tell right there. Uh, Chris Wilson. Uh, Chris actually said he was mending. Uh, he's not able to do much, but he's following on the show. So Chris, feel better. But this is another good one here. What position, obviously, other than punter or kicker, would you be the most shocked to see the Browns use one of their first five picks on? Um, I mean, I, I think if you're trying, I mean, you're throwing out punter and kicker. I mean, I think throwing out things like, you know, safety would be another one that's sort of in that almost gag category. Uh, I don't think there's anyone, you know, I think, Adding strong safety would be, you know, extremely redundant, and I don't see a free safety in this group. But if you're if you're trying to get me to say what position is, you know, really something talked about that that the Browns could by all means take, but may won't on draft day. The the the, the one I'm wondering about the most is offensive line, mm-hmm. um, and it's well, just because. And, you know, and Batonio addressed it today. They still, you know, have never asked him about moving out to tackle. Um, but the tackle class, and, and I like Connor Williams quite a bit, um, but none of them can play this year or, or shouldn't. Uh, the guard class is great. The center class is great. But the Browns don't really need those things. Certainly, you know, if, if you were serious about moving Batonio, uh and then said, you know, you're sitting there in, in 33, and oh my God, Will Hernandez is sitting there. Then yeah, I could totally understand where they're doing it. But if they're not even considering that, because if that was a thing, Batonio should be working on tackle now, mm-hmm. not, not you know, surprise, go go do tackle stuff. Um, so that the offensive line may be the one I think people expect because of Dorsey's history because of the way the Packers sort of work. And that's the one I'm wondering if they, they don't just sort of go, look, we know we need to address tackle, but we're not going to freaking panic and, and draft something that, that isn't going to help us this year and we're probably going to have to take them into value. If for whatever reason they make like a trade down and Connor Williams is sitting there, they get that package from Buffalo, for example, and 22 sitting there and Connor Williams is, is on the board, great. If Connor Williams somehow... Is sitting there in the second round, great. But overall, I mean, if you take a Colton Miller, that's a huge gamble. I mean, he's a ridiculous. He's what Josh Allen is, what people want him to be as an offensive tackle. He's just an insane athlete who doesn't know what he's doing, and you hope you can teach him. But you know, Chukwuma Okorafor is interesting. Uh, I'm not high on some of the other guys for various reasons. I, the offensive tackle. An offensive line in general, I, I I would not be surprised if we entered day three and they haven't gotten any. Yeah, I, I would I would I definitely think it's probably offensive line related. First things first, you're not going to take an interior offensive lineman. It makes no sense whatsoever. And now look, if this was a draft where it was a normal class where you had you know two to three offensive tackles who were worthy of top twenty grades, yeah, you go quarterback at one. And if you're moving on from an elite left tackle for damn near a decade. 
Yes, then you go a Tyron, you know, a Tyron Smith in this draft class. Absolutely, hands down, that's your selection at four. But you can't panic to chase something that isn't there. And you know, if you're really not getting a left tackle in the first round, then it's it's really just a crapshoot. Is this going to be the thing where maybe we know what the round one target is for 2019 already? That's a possibility. But yeah, I think it's definitely offensive line related. It's certainly interior offensive line. But I don't know if there's anything here that fits. Um, Betonio, it, it could be a thing where maybe it, it's week seven. And look, bro, dudes are hurt. We need you to play left tackle this week. I, I think it could go that way. And I'm not saying he's going to go there for the next two to three years. I think it's something where they were in absolute pinch and they had nothing else to do, where maybe he's going to play some left tackle. But they would have known this, and literally the day they held the ceremony for Joe, you know, Joe would have given Joe a big hug, and they would have said, hey, talk to Joe every day. You're going back outside. You're going back to where you came from. So I definitely think it's offensive line related, obviously, with that question there. Now, this is... Sean, uh, by the one last thing is, is look, if you, look, you got Chris Hubbard. Uh, that's a perfectly good signing. If you're worried about Sean Coleman, here's how to help Sean Coleman. Run the damn ball. He's a really good run blocker. Let him block down. Half the reason that the offensive line looks like a problem is when you had a quarterback with no clue what he was doing, and you threw like 70% of the time. Run the ball, help your guys out, make it so everybody's not pinning their ears back and pass rushing every play. Well, exactly. If you want to help the offensive line, address one of the running backs that we mentioned earlier. Here's a, a good one. Uh, Andy Picconi, sorry if I messed up the name. I'm a little tough with the uh, you know pronouncing the Italian names. Why is there such a divide on the ability to improve accuracy? Some guys say it's fixable. Some say it's not. Obviously, this is a Josh Allen question. I'll start before Pete. Look, guys, it's something you were born with. You don't become better at darts. You just don't. You're either, you're either good at darts or you suck. I mean, I do believe accuracy is something that is bred into you. Pete, go ahead. All right, so I have a slightly different take on this, and that I, I, think, I, I think a lot of it depends on what is causing the accuracy problems. Um, if you're a guy who's got horrible mechanics and you can't hit the broadside of a barn, if you you improve those mechanics, your accuracy can improve a little bit. If you have good mechanics. And you still can't hit that. You need LASIK, and you—it just may not be your thing. And, and and there is a part of this where it's just you got to be able to see it and do it. Uh, but uh, what I would warn anybody is, if you're looking for somebody to perform miracles from an accuracy standpoint, from a guy who's been playing quarterback basically his whole life, if you were really trying to, you know, if you were thinking I've got upside from an accuracy standpoint. I'd make the case for Sam Darnold only because he's played the least amount of quarterback in any of these guys, and he's already really accurate. So I, I think a lot of it is, is what, what you're saying and that you know, you're know you born with it, but a lot of it is diagnosing the problem. And, and Josh Allen has some things that he can improve, but if you're expecting him to be, you know, magically go from 55 or whatever percent he was at Wyoming to – you know, Drew Brees, seventy percent type quarterback. You're dreaming, and in what you're really getting in Josh Allen is you're 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 drafting a time machine and hoping that 1984 is going to show back up, and that you can be okay with a guy who completes 58 percent of his passes, or maybe flirts with 60 percent of his passes, along the lines of Cam Newton, where you're throwing 
you know, 15 to 20 yard passes all the time, and you're okay with that much lower completion percentage. But if you're in this, and this relates to the Browns, if you hire a guy like uh, Haley, who really likes the quick passing game, and you pick Josh Allen, uh, and you're expecting Haley to be here more than you know the next eight months, uh, that's not a good fit. It's just never going to be work. And 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 at Wyoming, they did those things, and it still didn't help his accuracy. He'd miss on swing passes and those types of things. So, yes, accuracy can improve, but you're never going to make it go to a point for where it's can't hit the broadside of a barn to now he can just paint the corners you know like a pitcher it's just it's very hard to do i mean major league is a fun movie but i mean come on now yeah and the other thing is is in a lot of it this is kind of where the size of josh allen hurts him and anybody you know baseball wise you see this a lot oh the six foot nine relief pitcher well with the bigger you are a lot easier one little mechanical flaw that that, that keeps showing up that is what's going to hurt your accuracy. This is probably, you know, it's one thing that makes Baker Mayfield the passer that he is. It's it, it's short. It's I mean, everything about him is so compact and succinct. It's a lot easier to replicate what he does when you were bigger guy, six foot five. Yes, that's fantastic, but it's impossible to keep you know, repeating what you do every time perfectly to gain the accuracy that you need. Guys, you're listening to Lockdown Browns episode 193. Guys. Obviously, MLB, almost a month in the books here already. It's gone by quickly. Thank God for it because it's kind of sped up the draft process here. Go ahead. Check out Locked On MLB. Follow your favorite team. You know, Check out everything that's going on over there. The guys are putting out daily shows, doing great work. All right. Next one we got here. This is actually another good one. If Darnold's 2016 season happened in set 2017 and 17 and 16, vice versa, would he be viewed hands down as the obvious number one quarterback in this draft? No. Uh, and and if you want, you can read the scouting report I did on Darnold. Um, most of my issues with Darnold are regardless of what order you put his games in. Uh, he has phenomenal upside, could be an all-pro quarterback, but the lack of experience uh, is obvious in certain things. And, and, and where he had his sort of mid-season slump in the Pac-12 wasn't a surprise if you go to the tape because it was a lot of teams that run different kinds of zone defense and mix up their looks and do things that would, you know, plague a, you know, a young quarterback. And they fooled him quite a bit. Stanford fooled him quite a bit. Colorado fooled him quite a bit. Cal fooled him quite a bit. Um, if you want to let Sam Darnold play against man coverage, he's going to kill you. Uh, I mean, he's deadly. Uh, you can have the tightest coverage in the world, and he has a incredible instinct on where to put the ball to make a receiver – look like a stud uh, and and you can not only Deontay Burnett but I think that Bins or whatever his name is you'll fall in love with his receivers watching Darnold throw to him uh, so that doesn't matter to me the stuff he, there's just things he has to improve and and they only improve with I think sitting's going to benefit him learning what to look for on def- from defenses and how they're going to mix up coverages and how they're going to disguise things and how they're going to, you know, what's the, what's your aligned and your cadence, they're going to switch and, you know, doing this, that, and the other. Um, I think he can study and start learning those things because when Darnold plays, and, and I'm, you know, Tyrod Taylor's history, you know, says he's going to play about 14, 15 games, uh, which is fine, 
and that Darnold's probably going to get in there for one or two. Teams, you know, unless they're just a team that is just married to, you know, a certain coverage, they're going to mess with them. They're going to go back to those college tapes that, that confuse them a little bit, and they're going to do stuff to take it up to an NFL level on it and see if they can't fool him. Uh, so, you know, I, there's no getting away from the fact that that Sam Darnold has an unbelievable amount of talent, and he's risky as hell, uh, and and he could be a great great quarterback for the Browns, or he could be an absolute bust. And the fact that they have Hugh Jackson there is terrifying. Uh, it certainly doesn't help, given his handling of Deshaun Kaiser last year. Uh, but nothing. You know, nothing would change my mind. You know, certainly, I think fans would be more married to the idea of Darnold being number one if his last game in college was the Rose Bowl against Penn State. Uh, I think that would make it easier for them. But if you're getting down to a actually going into the tape and, and breaking it down and looking at this thing, uh, you know, each and every snap as you can, the, the, there's no getting away from the fact that these things were there. Uh, regardless of what order they took place in. Uh, and I do think a little bit, you know, one thing you're going to look at here, it, it's going to be fantastic that he's got two veteran quarterbacks here. Tyrod is not going to have to be, you know, tied down to the fact that, you know, he's got a job to do week in, week out, and he's got to help a young rookie quarterback. There is Drew Stanton's here. Drew Stanton's should, that, that is what he is going to do. We talked about for a long time, someone to, you know, why we like to chase Daniel to come here to understand the role he may have to play. That's what's going to go on here, and it's going to help us, the two veterans. Sam can sit in meetings and listen and, and pick up from these two guys. And, you know, obviously Drew Stanton's been around a lot of other quarterbacks, and he can say, well, so-and-so looked at it like this or so-and-so handled it like this. And, you know, that's the type of stuff where, you know, everybody wonders, you know, these bum, you know, bum quarterbacks have been in the league for 10, 11, 12 years. There's a reason they're there, and it's their mind, guys. And next question, we got another good one here. Uh, okay, Dustin Allen, uh, another another no, another loyal, loyal supporter and listener. What would be the national reaction if Cleveland just said, heck with it all, and took Josh Rosen at one? I think they would be criticized, and, and I, I think it would be a great, great move. Uh, I think it's, I think we, we are truly in a great, great age of quarterbacking when we can, we can look at all these quarterbacks and decide there are so many great quarterbacks out there that a guy potentially tweeting about the president is enough reason to pass a guy who is a great quarterback, and nobody seems to deny that fact. Uh, but we're worried that if he tweets about the about the president during a losing streak, how it'll make us look. The fact that there are so many great quarterbacks that we live in an age where there are teams that just don't need them, that we can we can get this guy, we can let him slide. There are just too many good ones. Uh, that you you can be this picky about it is is a joke to me, and and I, I you know I I I don't know if he's going to be the best quarterback from this class, but I think he's going to be better certainly better than Josh Allen, and and he could be, be he could end up being better than than Darnold, and I think he's you know if he's healthy, uh, I think te- whoever gets him is going to freaking love him, uh, and 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 if he does indeed slip, it's it's. You know, the hope is if that happens, that Josh uh, Rosen's going to end up in a better situation for him. That if if, if he's going to have to sort of quote unquote suffer uh, for being you know opinionated and thoughtful and all these other things, 
that Miles Garrett could be accused of and was accused of last year for from fans who, who were worried about this stuff and tried to play up Mitchell Trubisky, then so be it. I mean, Joe, Joe Thomas was the same way. He just wasn't as public about it. He was his own own guy. So if it works out for Rosen that he ends up going to the right team for him that's going to sort of embrace him, uh, great. Uh, there are so many far worse things than out there than, than than what's going on. I mean, for God's sake, imagine if you were you were a college program and your quarterback was accused of dealing weed out of his dorm room. I mean... It was an apartment, to, Pete. It was an apartment. It wasn't a dorm room. Out of an apartment. <laughs> now, that, those are real problems. The, 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 and it's the same with Baker Mayfield. I think a lot of the complaints that people are nitpicking about him are contrived. They aren't real. Uh, so, you know, look, there are real things to be worried about, it, unless there's something we just don't know. And there may be medical or otherwise that says there's a very real reason to let Josh Rosen slide. If it's really so sad as we're worried about what he might say uh, during a losing streak or whatever, first of all, he may be good enough that you don't have to experience losing streaks. And second of all, that's still stupid—a stupid reason to pass him to quarterback. If he's great, you're never going to care. So, you know, this is this is part of the reason you can say that the draft process is a little too long. My biggest thing, and if anybody wants to know why, I think there is a zero percent chance Josh Rosen will don a Cleveland Browns uniform this year, is because you retained a head coach with a record of one in thirty-one. I can only, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for Hugh Jackson sitting down with Josh Rosen and, and trying to say, I got to make sure that you're the guy for me. And now here we are talking about this uber intelligent kid going, man, <laughs> I won't even buy my house here yet. I won't even have my place furnished and you're going to be gone. And, and I'm not saying that Josh Rosen would say this. How are they going to connect? How is Josh Rosen going to go all in? Who needs this coach? Who's going to continually, you know, stoke the fires of his brain to keep him, you know, because you want Josh Rosen to be full intellect. You want him to use every capacity of his brain. How is he going to do that? Walking into the building every day, knowing this guy is dangling by a thread and he's got a resume of one in thirty-one. That is the issue why Josh Rosen won't work here. As much as I want it, I've said it from day one. Look, I, I've said it's going to be Sam Darnold. I've said if it were me, it would be Josh Rosen. But if you want to know why it's not going to work, it's your 1-31 in 31 head coach that you retained. It is just that simple, guys. I'm going to move on over here. And actually, this one, the first part that uh, Brandon, Brandon King is probably the biggest supporter of this show I have. And Brandon, I always do appreciate you for that. Uh, first part of your question we kind of got to ten times over on this show. But this is actually an interesting one. Pete, do you own a Browns jersey? And if so, who? The last Browns jersey I owned was Cam Wembley. Uh, that, Regular school? That, he, he went to uh, some directional school down in Florida. Uh, I think it was some sort of vocational program. Um, and and, and, and <laughs> a shame... And a shame too, because he was actually a, like a really, really good student and didn't go to prison or anything. Um, uh-huh. So it must have been an odd fit for him. Had a hell of a career uh, in the NFL, but despite being traded for a third round pick. Uh, yeah, the last one I had was Cam Wimberly, and I and I specifically waited 
until after his rookie season when he had, I think, the 11 sacks or whatever. And then I got it. And then from there it went downhill. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I suppose part of it is age and not really worried about donning brown jerseys or whatever. Uh, I, I suppose at this point I'd be more interested in getting uh, jerseys but sort of signed and framed from guys I, I've either connected with or or just have really enjoyed the careers of than more than anything. But, yeah, that's that's the last one I've had. Yeah, I mean, guys, when you get a little bit older, no, I, I mean, I'm not a Jersey guy anymore. I used to be a Jersey guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, if it was a something you can hang on the wall in an office or something, you know, something like that. Um, I think where I got burned with that was uh, Lavernius Coles being a Jet. Lavernius Coles left, took the money from the Washington Redskins. I fed the Jersey to my 110-pound German Shepherd at the time. And not more than 18 months later, what did we do? We had to order a new Lavernius Coles jersey because he was back with the Jets. So, set a story like that. So, guys, look, if you got the money, you want to buy jerseys, you want to wear them, go ahead. Uh, you know, get older, maybe you see that maybe, you know, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather a nice date with the wife for the money I'm going to spend on a jersey. Uh, Pete, uh, look, we got about, what, nine days more content or whatever that you can put out. Uh, you know, I know you mentioned one quarterback article. What else you got coming out here for the guys before uh, April 26th? Uh, so I will go through one last tape run of, of Josh Rosen. Uh, Deuce got a report on him. Baker Mayfield's got a report on him. So, so, so those are the top three guys, and the Browns shouldn't be even considering anyone else. Uh, I'll finish up with the full-on prospect list, one last uh, mock draft, and then you know, in connection with uh, the guys over at Surviving the Season, the Hair Brothers, uh, we're going to do a live Browns uh, draft broadcast for hopefully at least the first two days uh, through YouTube. Uh, just literally, in, in me and one other guy won't have uh, won't have Twitter up or anything. We'll just react to the picks live. Could be very uh, could be very fun. Could be very painful. Either way, it should be interesting. And and I believe uh, Jeff Lloyd will probably be a guest on that at some point. I I've talked with the guys. I, I you know I'm planning on popping in there. Uh, some of the plans I had, uh, you know, some things have changed. Uh, so yeah, I mean, look, I'm a draft night. I'm I'm ready for it. Uh, you know, we could all maybe sit there and epically cry together. Uh, it's happened before. Uh, you know, we did a live show when uh, Calvin Pryor went one to the Jets. Uh, had a panel of four to five guys. We went into 90 seconds of dead silence because the guys knew I was miserable. And nobody had a way to jump in and even offer a, well, this selection, that's, you know, sometimes, look, guys, we always get those stunners, so we'll see how that works out. But, guys, follow Pete Smith. Like I said, he's, you know, putting out a ton of great work, covering a team that isn't very successful. So, come on. If I understand what he's going through, I mean, we all should understand what he's going through. I mean, I'm going through it over here, guys. We're all hoping for better days. Guys, follow the show at Lockdown Browns. Guys, look, I, I keep the account as follow back. I mean, got about... 100 and change to get it to 2,000 before draft night on April 26th. Let's go ahead and get that done. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ uh, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, lots of guests, guys. I, I, I'm ready now. I, you know, everything has been fixed out here. Like I told you, we had some issues at the house. Kind of had a shut up shop here show-wise for a few <laughs> days. It sucked, but look, it, it, everything's good now. April 26th is coming. Uh, guys, appreciate you for all that you do, all the support that you give me. Let's go Browns.